Hi, you're about to listen to Dirty Laughs Podcast. When life doesn't give you the success you planned, grab a microphone and your three best friends and put on a show anyway. Hi guys! Hola. Oh, hello! It's been a while. It's been so long. It's been eighty-four years. It's been eight. <laughs> I can still smell the fresh paint. <laughs> we we had a break for a number of reasons, um, and we were doing some other. We all things. fell out. <laughs> we, yeah, we weren't speaking, <laughs> and <laughs> me and Sam took it to the streets, and uh, I won't tell you who won. Like step yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weren't a fight, it was a dance <laughs> Yeah, exactly yeah. like Steph. It, exact, it was honestly, exact, Ailish was uh, in the middle. She was calling the shots. Um, Who would win in a like in a, in a a fight between you two? A physical me. fight or a dance fight? I don't really? know. Both, me. Both, on t- no. both times. What no. are you talking about? No. I, I feel a like you're fight, both really me. scrappy. So I yeah. feel like if you were in a fight, I really couldn't tell i feel like you'd both no die. yeah no would just fight no i would just i would just be like i'm sorry i'm sorry and start crying <laughs> harriet you'd like give one like hard slap and then you'd be over it and then you'd be going oh my god you'll never guess what happened to me though on the way to this fight sam and I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well yeah so welcome back to all of our listeners thanks for coming back and thanks for sticking with us um and interacting with us we are excited to be back uh and to get back to it Shall we just jump straight in? Yeah, I think so. Behind the It's been a really long time since we actually did this segment. So <laughs> if this is your first time with us or you can't remember or you sort of joined us in the last few episodes and you won't have actually heard this segment before... In this segment, Behind the Curtain, we learn about an an already existing musical and we find out how that came to be. Because we are writing a musical on this podcast, so we're also researching other musicals. (gasps) (laughs) Uh, We were actually in the middle of a little series about original stories. I have got another original story musical. Um, It's one that I really love and I thought it was fitting because they have recently just announced in the last couple of weeks that it's finally coming to London after a really long time. It's its first UK um, experience. So we're going to learn about Next to Normal. Super boy and the invisible girl. (laughs) Such a good show. Um, Right, so if you've never heard of this or you don't know much about it, it is a 2008 rock musical that tells the story of a woman with bipolar disorder um, and it talks about the impact of her mental health on herself, on her family. It is written by Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie. Now, they became friends while they were attending Columbia University in the 90s. And they had worked together on some on various things, but this was their first kind of big project that they worked on together. And the concept behind the musical actually uh, was inspired by the American TV show Dateline. So I don't know if people are aware of this. It's similar to a show that we had in the UK years ago called Crime Watch. I love Crime Watch. Oh. Love so basically they kind of... Uh, put out feelers to get people to you know give the police information for crimes and they talk about missing people and suspects that are on the run and they reenact crimes and why is all it of called that dateline 
Yeah. I, well, I'm not sure. It's like, you want a date? Call this number. <laughs> it does sound like that. Uh, <laughs> so Brian Yorkie was watching this one time and there was a short segment uh, about electroconvulsive therapy, which is a psychiatric treatment. Um, and they do this to help treat mental disorders. Not everyone likes it and there is some controversy around it. So they did this segment about it. And Brian Yorkie was kind of taken by it and it inspired them to go and write a short 10 minute long musical piece called Feeling Electric, which was about this therapy. Um, and then they went off, they did separate things, but they kept on coming back to this little musical and they there was something about it that was drawing them back in. So they turned it into a full length musical and they gave it an actual plot rather than it just being a kind of, you know, talking about a particular type of therapy so at this point in the world of musical theater this was like groundbreaking stuff because mental health sorry mental health even was not talked about in musical theater there weren't musicals out there that were doing that and it focuses a lot on that gap between medical professionals and people struggling with mental health which is a gap that still exists today uh, we talk about mental health a lot more but there's still a bit of a disconnect maybe you know for some people um, and they weren't trying to condemn doctors but they wanted to talk about the importance of having doctors that actually understand you beyond the paperwork or beyond the diagnosis that they're reading and they also wanted the music to be different so they went against the traditional Broadway kind of pop dancey numbers and they went for something that was much rockier also they felt that emotions can be told through rock music much better than they can be told through that broadway you know bubblegum pop kind of sound mm. um so they wanted to and they talk a lot about sondheim which obviously all writers talk about sondheim which we've discovered on this but <laughs> they talk about his rule of content dictates form which he spoke about a lot and they wanted to follow that through and really embrace it in this so what that means is if you're writing a plot, that plot needs to dictate the style of music that you're going to use rather than make the plot fit into what you want the music to be. So they worked quite hard on the music fitting in with the emotion of what they were talking about and that kind of instability as well that their lead character was feeling emotionally and mentally comes out in a rocky tune or a rocky uh, style a bit better uh, and they also went against the traditional ensemble so it's just six people in a cast there's no ensemble they wanted to kind of strip it back so that it wasn't there was nothing distracting about it there's no big tricks or big kind of stunts and set and anything like that it's very simple to the point and it really focuses on the plot and focuses on the emotional narrative so over the years, the piece was reworked many times. They workshopped it in various stages and with various casts. And then in 2005, a version of it was performed at the New York Musical Theatre Festival, where it got some positive attention. And then off the back of that, a theatre in New York called Second Stage Theatre took it on and they workshopped it properly for a couple of years, at which point the actress Alice Ripley came in as the lead role and she took that role through to Broadway. And also the director Michael Greif joined at this point. He's famous for directing Rent, so he came in and he again stayed with the musical at this point. 
And the show then opened off Broadway in 2008 and it only ran for a month at this point. But even within that short run, it was nominated for many awards and it received generally very positive reviews and a lot of attention because it was so different. They ended up moving it to Broadway in March 2009 and it kept most of its original cast, including Aaron Tveit, who is the dream. Oh my God. <laughs> he is Aaron, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're listening. If you're listening. You. <laughs> <laughs> when it opened on Broadway, it really struck a chord with critics and with audiences. And it was a bit of a game changer for the Broadway world because they basically, Broadway audiences had never witnessed anything on a Broadway stage filled with that much emotion like like that was just unheard of for Broadway and they had never really had a mental health musical. It was also the first Broadway musical to embrace social media on Twitter. Now this is back when Twitter was you know the big social media. So over the course of a month on Twitter they actually published the entire musical but they did it in a different way. So obviously posts only could have I think 140 characters So every post that they posted was from a different character's perspective and it talked about their day-to-day life while the plot of the musical was going on and then dispersed in between that they would have songs and kind of recordings and like audio files that would move the plot along so that if you paid attention for the whole month you'd end up getting a whole musical but almost like played out on Twitter rather than in person and that gained this whole new kind of group of fans and people all around the world were able to connect into this musical and people were giving advice and writing lyric suggestions and plot suggestions and character ideas so then off the back of that they wrote a brand new song using all of the twitter users kind of ideas Um, and then they did a special like one-off performance with for the fans specifically where they showcased this and then they also used youtube which again it was the first broadway musical to do this where they got fans to record their interpretations of the songs and pieces from the show and then they kind of put this together into a bit of a like mega mix on youtube and i did a sort of again like a one-off kind of special event performance on youtube using all of the fans stuff so it was a bit of a game changer because it moved this it started this whole movement where people were actually reaching out to the fans where they were through social media and meeting them in their human everyday lives as opposed to staying on this stage and kind of letting people come to them and then kind of, you know, like leaving it there. Uh, It was very interactive in that sense. So the success of the musical, because it stayed on Broadway for a couple of years, it was nominated for 11 Tony Awards and it won three of them, including uh, Best Score, Best Orchestrations and Best Actress for Alice Ripley. Uh, So it was very successful in its run and it was very different. And what it proved was that new and particularly challenging work that people a lot of people described it as brave is like the word that comes up most often when you kind of look at critic reviews at the time and it proved that there is a space for them on Broadway and it also highlighted that at that point anyway that there was very rarely anything brand new coming up on Broadway and there was very rarely an original story being told it was always an adaptation which we have talked about is still kind of the case today but we're getting more of them you know, it is moving in the right direction. Hello. <laughs> uh, hey. We're trying to help. But there's not a lot of original work. <laughs> um, and Next to Normal was a real big kind of moment in Broadway for highlighting that, I think, to people that it there was a space and that audiences wanted something new. Rent kind of started 
a bit of a, an evolution in musical theatre. Um, and this kind of took what Rent started and it built on it and it opened doors for musicals like I think American Idiot and like Dear Evan Hansen, musicals that are outside of the box and that tell a story that's not, you know, at times is uncomfortable as well. It's not easy necessarily. And sometimes you connect in a way that you kind of wish you didn't, <laughs> you know, like you sort of relate to feelings that you maybe wouldn't like to relate to but the truth is the, that everyone's human and that's kind of the point of these shows is to point that out to people that we're not perfect and polished which Broadway was relatively known for so it was on Broadway for a while I think it closed in 2011 and then it has had US tours and it's been around the world but it's never been to the UK so this is the first time it's coming to the UK in I think August 2023 in the Donmar warehouse so you should go and see it, everybody, because I think it will be really interesting. It did also win the 2010 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Uh, it is, I think, still only one of two rock musicals to have ever done that, Rent being the first one. And a bit controversially, it wasn't on the shortlist. So they sent a shortlist to the panel and the panel were like, nah. Nah. And they gave it to Next to Normal instead. So not everyone was a big fan of that choice. Um, I don't know how I feel about it, but they must have seen something in it that they decided that was the right one. And in terms of the writers, so Kit composed the new Broadway musical Almost Famous. And he also collaborated with Lin-Manuel Miranda on the musical Bring It On. Uncle Lin, love Uncle Lin. Um, and Brian Yorkie collaborated with Sting on the musical The Last Ship, which I've heard good things about. And he also ad uh, adapted the book 13 Reasons Why for Netflix. So he actually oh. brought that to Netflix and wrote that. And then together they've done other things. So they also wrote the uh, Tony Award nominated musical If Slash Them with a that started Dina Menzel. And they also wrote the musical adaptation of Freaky Friday. And they're currently writing a musical movie called Score, which will star Robert Downey Jr. I mean, so not much. So that's next to normal. Well done. Very nice. And see. Time to write a musical. So we are writing a musical. That's Yay. why we're here. Yay. So its working title <laughs> is Battle. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and the concept is that it's a battle between someone's heart and their head. But we see it play out in this personified people who represent a heart and their head. And they're kind of lost and they're fighting and they split up and things go wrong. And then it turns out that they actually are the heart and the head of this main character, Joe. And we see Joe's story play out and then we see them all unite so that Joe can move forward in her life. That's the brief summary of what this musical is about. It's obviously got a lot more to it. Um, so since we last came on the podcast, we have actually for the first time gone and pitched this musical to a panel. Um, now, we don't know, we won't know for a little bit about kind of what's going on with that and as soon as we do and you know we've got some more definites about things within that we will give you a bit more information we'll let you know a bit more about that journey but what we wanted to talk about today is how that went what you know how that whole pitching process was for us it being the first time we've done it how we felt about it and how our kind of process was for it Harriet unfortunately couldn't come but we did speak to her she zoomed with us <laughs> before and after and obviously like you've been a part of all the writing anyway from the beginning so you were very much in the pitch and we did talk about Harriet they did they did they <laughs> took a cardboard cut out of me there too we did, 
We did. They didn't. I mean, Sam, how how did you feel about the whole thing? Well, I enjoyed it. Mm. I enjoyed challenging myself that way. I guess I really kind of struggled with like imposter syndrome. Like, what am I doing? Like, am I good enough to do this and all this sort of stuff? So once we did it, I was I was buzzing. You know, we came out of that room and we were really happy, weren't we? Yeah. We had um, such an like adrenaline. Yeah, there's an uh, adrenaline rush. afternoon. <laughs> yeah, the lead up to it, it was like it was all consuming. Because <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was just like, what is gonna happen? You know, um, and now it's done. I'm like, oh my god, what was I worried about? I know. <laughs> I so know. I'm, I'm kind of baffled by it. Um, but no, it was really interesting. To, to kind of take a step back and look at everything we've done as a whole and put it into words and put it into a presentation and all of this stuff and see things all, almost come into fruition with mm. our artwork that we've done that represents musical, our postcards yeah. and everything. It all becomes just a little bit more real. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, yeah, I've really, I really quite enjoyed myself. Good. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, well Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. For me, I was surprised. Like, I I tend to be someone who... I don't generally get very nervous about kind of, like... Particularly if it's, like, public speaking and stuff. I'm quite, like... I don't... I, until the moment when I'm standing on the stage and doing it, then suddenly I'll become nervous. But I was, like, the day before, I could feel that I had some kind of, like, nervous energy yeah. inside me that I was, like, needing to do. And then, yeah, Sam can vouch for this. It was embarrassing. But I... The thing I was actually nervous about was not the pitch. It wasn't even whether they liked the musical. It certainly wasn't the singing. I don't think I remembered that I was singing until after I did it. And then I was like, oh, I guess I just sung. But I, it was literally playing the piano. I have never played the piano publicly. I've never played the piano in front of anyone really ever. So I was like absolutely crapping myself because I was like, this is going to go really badly. Like, I think I'm okay, but like, I'm obviously not like Mozart or anything. You know, like I'm not exactly like some genius on the piano and my hands were shaking. Like they were so bad as Sam literally could see them I shaking. Was sat, <laughs> I was sat next to her. It was so funny. I was sat next to her and I was looking at my hands and I was thinking... Oh god, am I going to have to take over? I can only play like <laughs> diddle and diddle on the piano. <laughs> what am I going to do? I was, kind of, I was thinking, right, diddle and diddle and diddle and diddle. It was funny. That I was thinking. I was like, I don't know yeah. if I'm going to be able to control my fingers hitting the right keys because I was just staring insane. at your hands like, oh my god, what is going yeah. on? But as it I, goes, it was, it's the it, only time I've ever played it right. I mean, if you're going to start, start. You then. absolutely smashed it. <laughs> You absolutely smashed it. I I had to take it like a second to compose myself. Like I really wanted to just go like fuck yeah, like in the middle of the pitch, but I I couldn't. So I quite kind of I composed myself and I looked to the panel and they were looking at me like yeah we know, <laughs> you know like we know what you just thought then. But it's funny because you were talking about that the day before and like when you came to pick me up from the station and things yeah. like that and. Um, I had not, I didn't feel nervous at yeah, all. Yeah, we swapped, right? We swapped roles. The day before, I was really like, kind of, I could feel that my mood was really impacted by it. And I was very like, Ugh. On edge. And, you, and were, you were really chilled. And was like, Sam yeah, was whatever. like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And then the next morning, we totally swapped well, roles. Then we switched and I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, oh my God, 
and we were sat in the in the venue like literally like five minutes before and I turned to Eilish and I was like you know what I don't think I can do this <laughs> I was like, I don't, why do you do it on your own you'll be fine yeah, you'll be fine I think you actually said we were sat there and Sam went I just realized this is a lot more it's a lot more kind intense. of intense and serious than I had in my head and I was like I've had the opposite realization <laughs> I was like, I just realised this is fine. This is chilled. Oh, Everything's yeah. great. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the pitch, they ask a few questions and I was still like hopped up on all my nervous energy. And one of the questions was like talking about the choices that Joe has to make. And I just like interrupted the panellists and I was like, we're not going to tell you. We're going to let the audience decide. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. I just completely, I was like, nah, rah, 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 and I just like interrupted her and she was like, oh yeah, cool. And it was like a conversation, but I then overthought about that yeah. for the rest of the day, I, didn't I? Like, I kept asking you. You did? <laughs> I think that's oh. a real example of when you do anything like that, you know, like if you go to like an interview or like anything in that kind yeah. of context, mm. um, and you, in the moment you might feel something. And then when you walk away, the memories kind of start to like, change and they sort of turn into like something from some kind of weird like horror horror movie. movie yeah and you start like thinking oh my god i pinned them down and i screamed into their face or something <laughs> i punched them in the face and i told them they had no choice sam took her to the streets yeah i did <laughs> i started stepping up like these. yeah so if you're listening sam apologizes yeah. i'm so sorry what was also i think really nice and just really good for us whatever happens with this particular pitch is that like what we found was that people were genuinely interested in in what we had to say they were you know nodding along with us they were asking questions in a way you know like in a really good way when someone's asking questions because they actually want to know (laughs) they want to know the answer they were very receptive weren't they yeah they they seemed to be very interested in the concept um and they were quite like positive in that sense and we gave we kind of had little postcards and we had a painting and we had some kind of visual things we also had like a little video and they were very positive and receptive to all of those things so what we can take away is that there is there is an interest you know people do actually think this is a good idea so regardless of what happens with this particular pitch is that we can now go forward with our musical knowing that other people think this is good. It's not just us yeah. that, that yeah. like it. Um, which I just feel like that's like invaluable really, isn't it? Because it's very af- like it's very affirming. Yeah. And that's kind of what we need. We need kind of a little bit, when you're in such a sort of no man's land that we are in at this point, it's kind of nice to have that sort of reassurance, you know, keep going and it's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to show that we're on the right track and we're in the right place. I mean, even if, I don't know, nothing comes from this pitch, this is, at the end of the day, the first time we pitched it. If something comes from it, that would be blimmin' amazing. But if something doesn't, we've got some amazing feedback from it and it also shows that we're in the right place. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like... I felt like we, we fitted, you know? It wasn't... It didn't feel like we were trying to scramble to kind of be in this room of people that we didn't fit into like I, I I mean I personally but maybe that could just be me I don't know maybe I'm just really like up my own ass but but like I felt like we fitted in that room you know in terms of like 
conversationally and like all it felt like there wasn't some unequal like balance or anything and that that was just a very nice no. thing to take away from that is that we do fit and we there is a space for us in this whole that's, world that's also um a, a compliment to the panel themselves because they yeah. did they made you feel comfortable and they they were they weren't sort of just head down all the time and they made you feel like you should be up there you know and so thanks to them yeah, if definitely. You're listening. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you would be. Yeah. But yeah, it, it helps. It helps. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. So we have had some feedback just off like kind of constructive ideas towards the musical. So we thought we could share a little bit of them um, and so that you could kind of hear a little bit about what we're going to start working on and, you know, all of that. So we've got interesting concept and you speak really clearly about how you imagine the piece and your vision for how staging and writing could work together. What they've said is any musical where you switch the protagonist halfway through is likely or could be a problem for an audience as they don't have a connection with Joe, but they may already feel invested with Corey and Ali, which I think is a good actually a very interesting and valid point to raise about that and I think that comes down to that character building on Joe doesn't it and I also think how we phase in Joe throughout the piece so that story structure yeah so that it's clear you know we've talked about this like Harriet you've talked about having sounds or having moments that take you out of that conversation with Corey and Ali where you're wondering what's going on you know, like yeah. where there's outside noises and stuff like that. And I think yeah. that will all help to be, to push that, won't it? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I, w- I wonder, and you don't have to say anything or do anything on it now, but you know, like in Les Mis with the prologue, I mean, kind of like an extended prologue with Corey and Ali, but we don't bring in Joe like halfway. We just start another thing and then link them both together. And it's almost like that. Yeah. Rather than have it halfway. We talked really early about Joe being a bit of a narrator. Yeah, we did actually, didn't we? Yeah, bring it, bring her in, you know. But and then you only discover, you kind of connect in then when you understand who Joe actually is. So that's again, like th- those are options we can look at with like a prologue or a narrator, you know, so that you already connect to them. When they say what's the brief, we could almost add in a few. Like, there's not much to go off. We've just got a name, Joe. Boom, and she's there. <gasps> Oh, oh yeah i like that see these questions are so good because it's got me yeah fighting. exactly we yeah. could we could name joe yeah you know when we talked about having this like mysterious like the king or the wizard or whatever they could just be called joe just called joe yeah but i feel like it does for, for the writing side of it anyway it makes it a little bit more difficult when it, you you can't say what it is yeah and I feel like if we just simplified it, it might... And then that way, mm. the audience have already got a focus on Joe. They're like, okay, that's Joe. They're going to... And then you find out more about Joe and you want to know more about Joe. Yeah. Because she's this elusive, mysterious being yeah. at the back of the stage or something. And you know? we can still do that in a way that's not necessarily saying very clearly that they're inside Joe's head. You know, we could still figure out ways of of keeping it so that you're invested in their story but you're trying to understand who the hell is joe you know like you're kind of and yeah i i think that that's something really interesting to look at um yeah yeah i think we'd have to definitely play with bits of that idea because Mm. i did we say at one point that Corey and ali wouldn't actually know who joe is 
boo when they get lost or what they're fighting for. But then we yeah. can develop that though. But that can be part of the development, can't we? We talked it? about like the idea that they might know of Joe, but not necessarily know who she is, you know, in, in that sense, like. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's really interesting. Good. The other thing to bear in mind as well, it's difficult because you have eight minutes, right? <laughs> to condense everything you want to say. So you want to talk about the plot, but also there are other things that you need to talk about in terms of who you are, why you're there, what's unique about what you're doing, you know, like other things to bring up about the whole concept of the musical. And if you only talked about the plot, particularly when our plot is quite complex, like ours, you could literally spend the whole eight minutes doing that. So we, I guess we just had to make executive decisions. In a perfect world, you'd have had 10 minutes on every point <laughs> you were making. So... I think that we can't really be annoyed at ourselves either for even some of those things because you just have to make decisions and you have to be a bit cutthroat sometimes and and perhaps if we were doing it again we could have really hammed, hammered in on the plot and we could have done something different but we wouldn't have made that choice in those moments so I feel like we, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I've, yeah, I've always, I've always said of an eye that I really want the criticism, like, not the criticism, but I really want the constructive criticism. Yeah. I want the questions and I want the suggestions. I'm living the dream right now. I'm living the yeah. dream. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, now I'm like, oh yeah, and this, and it sort of sparks something off in my mind. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I agree. I need that. I'm all warm and like fuzzy. Ooh. Come and join some social network. She's here for you. Everybody say hello to Joel. Hi, Joel. Hey, Joel. He says, hi, girls. Love, love, love listening to the podcast and can't wait for a new episode. Hey, Merry ah, Christmas. Thank you. I find your, writi your writing process so fascinating and really admire your determination and courage. That's very nice of you to say. Thank, thank you very you. much. That's thank really you. nice. How do you deal with being friends and team members slash colleagues, blah, 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 and not letting work take over when friendship is needed? I'm about to start working with a friend and I don't want anything ruined or changed. Oh, that's a good question. I think we find it quite easy because we've got a shared passion and this started off as a passion project before it became, let's call it, work. Don't get me wrong. Whenever we're whenever we're together, and um, or we're on the Zoom or whatever, like every, whatever we're doing, we will talk about it. Yeah. And we'll discuss some things, and but we find that interesting. Yeah. yeah. But our group chat is predominantly really strange niche TikToks that yes. we find, or like yeah. joking around, or ripping the shit out of each other. Like it's just or memes. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's... It's, like, actual just friendship, mostly, on the group chat. Yeah, yeah. And when when we are together, obviously, we are not... Concerned is not the right word. Concerned about each other's lives. Um, and we ask and we catch up and we do all the things that friends do. We um, have an in, a genuine interest within each other's lives away from the group. Yeah, our separate interests and then our one big mutual interest, which is this. Yeah. So it's easy. Yeah, just I would just find time. If if you are working with 
a friend then when you're working you're working and then when you're not you're not working so don't yeah yeah i do think i will disagree in terms of i wouldn't say it's easy i don't think that's like necessarily a fair word to put on it because it's not you know like (laughs) i think i think um blurring that line with friendship and like with any kind of work and personal life that that's not ever going to be a straightforward thing to do I think it might be different if you're working with someone like in an office sat next to each other um it's it's a different context whereas like we're having to put out ideas and kind of sometimes you are gonna have to like battle some of those ideas out against each other or whatever that is that isn't easy when you're friends with people because you don't want to ruin a friendship because you feel passionately about an idea so I think that it's about understanding firstly understanding when you when you pick battles it is harder in that sense than if you were in a group of strangers and you were pitching ideas because in a group of strangers you don't care if you're upsetting anyone or if you know like you you can really like go in and bulldoze people if that's what you want to do or you know like whatever it is so in that context you can't just act the same way from what i remember as well i feel like when we first started doing this we did set out ground rules of between friendships and sort of work-life balance and i feel for us that worked really well like i have worked with friends in the past where I have not set out work slash friend life balance. And you do find that sometimes people will take the piss with it a bit. So I would recommend if it's something you're worried about, or if you think the person you're going to be working with is going to struggle with having those boundaries, set them out early. Say like, look, I know we're mates, but when we're through these doors, I'm the boss, you're not um or like whatever you need to say i'm in and then also where if you're talking maybe outside of work or like i don't know maybe someone's having a little whinge about office politics or something to that effect and it's anything to do with work start the phrase with as your colleague so that they know right this is a work conversation and then you can maybe then follow up with a, but as your friend, I say this. Yeah. Um, so that there's a, a clear definitive line. Because the last thing you want is your shit being spread around the office as well. You know what I mean? Do you think that it's been beneficial to us that because we aren't in the same place and because we started out during lockdown, our actual like work meetings, as it were, have all happened on Zoom. So we've actually got a kind of almost defined when we're on Zoom, we're in a bit more of a kind of work mode. And then outside of Zoom, we're in more of a kind of personal human friendship yeah. mode. Do you yeah. think that's been quite helpful? I think so. I think that has. I, mean, I know we, we've spoke about like some difficulties and how to approach them and stuff, but it, we should, it should be said that what, being able to work with your friends is a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah. It's so good. Like I, would, like I love it. I don't think I would push myself half as much as I have done if I, if I was with a couple of randomers. Yeah. Because I feel like they're my friends and I've got that, I've got that support there. If I've done mm. something, if it's something that's not great, I'm happy to hear, you know, because I 
love you both and respect you both. So, yeah, working with your friends is wonderful. Yeah, you know what else As is well. really nice about working with your friends? They, when especially in a creative situation, like when you've got an idea and you try to explain it and it doesn't come out your mouth how it is in your head, they do understand what you actually mean, <laughs> which happens every other day for me. So yeah, we can it's like I say so. something and then they're like. So what she means is this, um, and that's also very helpful to have someone yeah. there who understands you and understands what you mean. Thanks, Joel. If you want to keep those questions coming, you can get in contact. You can like and follow us on Instagram at Dirty Loves Pod. No, I've done it wrong. You can like and follow us. No, you can email us. Yes, you can. Um, <laughs> let me start that again. <laughs> If you'd like to get in contact, you can. You can email us podcast at dirtylaughs.co.uk or you can like and follow us on Instagram at dirtylaughspodcast. The same for TikTok. Boom. Harriet's head scratcher. Scratch your head now. Okay, so I'm going to ask two head scratchers today. Um, one of them is going on our social media, though, because it's going to be an audience participation. So I was shopping the other day, and I walked past a lady and overheard her say, I need to get some new trainers from Puma. And I was like, the hell is Puma? And then I was thinking, does she mean Puma? I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this is what I thought, because it's blatantly named after the cat. Everyone I've sp- spoken to has been like, it's named after the cat, who calls it Puma. But then, funnily enough, I'm shopping again, and I hear another random go, oh yeah, Puma. And I was like, Puma? Mm-hmm. You sure that wasn't the Puma? same person yeah, was a lap around the shop? No, it's, it was a around. different day, unless she's stalking me, which, you know, hi, hi, hon, if you are. But, um, I mean, so I, yeah, like... It, I can't even have a debate about this. Like, even if the... CEO of the company says that it's not pronounced this way. It is pronounced Puma. I won't accept any other answer. I I too agree. (laughs) So this is why we have got... That one will be coming on to the uh, socials soon and this will be a settling for once and for all. Is it Puma or is it Puma? Um, The day this comes out, I will put it on the socials and we will have our say with the results coming soon. Is it Reebok or Reebok? (laughs) Reebok? Reebok? (laughs) Is it Levi's or Levy's? <laughs> That's Levy's. a good one, actually. Anyway, so today's head scratcher. Do animals know we're wearing clothes or are we traumatising our cats every time we take our socks off? I'm sorry, what are you doing to your cat with your bare foot? <laughs> she like she does chase my socks, to be fair, like when they're on the uh, radiator. But I don't know. If you think, like, animals have got fur, so that's, like, their clothes and their coat. And they see us wearing, like, T-shirts and all of that. So, like, if they see you taking your sock off, they're like, oh, my God, what's she doing? Or they're, like, fair. Taking her skin off. Yeah. I think, like, it is an interesting question, isn't it? Because everyone has... I feel like everyone's got that thing where you're like, you sort of feel uncomfortable if like an animal's in the room when you're getting changed in a weird way. Because yeah. you feel like it's inappropriate, but does the animal know? I don't know. <laughs> Do yeah. you bat an eyelid? Aside from taking a, like, a sock off in front of my cat, I I haven't, couldn't tell you, and she's more interested in playing in the sock. But she's a psychopath, so she might be attacking it. Who knows? Like, I think they notice because they know us do you know what I mean so like if you have a pet 
they'll know whether you're wearing clothes or not. But I think that's more to do with like, from my experience of pets, and that's probably because most of them are like smaller animals, they like to like nibble on clothes or to cling on to, you know, they kind of like hang on to clothes, whereas they can't do any of that with bare skin as much. So I think they know, but whether they think it's weird or if they just be going like, uh, where's that like furry jumper that I was just trying to play with with my claws? <laughs> I don't know. And also it's like the change of colour. Like they might look at this and be like, how does she do that? I've got a question. Do you think they notice if other animals are wearing clothes? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Probably like, what the fuck has he got on? <laughs> oh, they got you, mate. They got you with the Halloween costume. I have to admit it's one of my pet hates. Yeah. Animals in clothes. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't it. like it. Unless it's there <laughs> genuinely to keep your animal warm, then no. Shall we take a vote on the question? Do animals know we're wearing clothes? So do they think it's weird if we take them off? My answer is they don't give a shit. They just want to know when dinner is. That's yeah. probably accurate, to be fair. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Like my 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 rats wanted me to wear specific clothes. <laughs> did they say that to you? They did. Um, <laughs> did they say you're they, not allowed out dressed like that? They, <laughs> they would say that is Young not lady. a skirt. It's a belt. <laughs> <laughs> You are not leaving this house dressed like that. I will not be associated with you. No, but they, uh, if I was wearing particular like jumpers, they would come out of the cage and like sit on my shoulder. And if I wasn't wearing them, they wouldn't come near me. They were like, they wanted these specific They were fashionistas. They were. They're like, no, no, it's from Primark, I'm not doing it. It was always like really, really hot jumpers. And I'd be like boiling and like, I'd be like sweating in this jumper just so that like I could feel love from <laughs> Oh no! Oh. <laughs> we all struggle just to feel love, don't we? We do. Thanks, Harriet. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, We're happy to be back. We love you. And keep it real. Cheers, guys. Bye. One little rat in a rocking chair knitting and another (laughs) rat, like, at the door, like, you can't go out right now. (laughs) Have you seen what she's wearing? (laughs) Dinner's on the table. Be back in half an hour.